We're going to shoot them, Vice President John said. We're going to kill anyone who buys a pair. Silence. What? Hack said. The other John said, well, not everyone, obviously. We figure we only have to plug, what did we decide? Five? Ten, Vice President John said, to be safe. Right. We take out ten customers, make it look like ghetto kids, and we've got street cred coming out our asses. I bet we shift our inventory within twenty-four hours. Um, Hack said. He swallowed. Isn't this kind of illegal? He wants to know if it's illegal, the other John said, amused. You're a funny guy, Hack. Yes, killing people without their consent, that's very illegal. Hack had a question he very much didn't want to ask. So, this contract, what does it say I'll do? The other John folded his hands. Well, Hack, we've explained our business plan. What we want you to do is execute it, Vice President John said. Until she stood in front of them, Haley didn't realize how many of her classmates were blonde. It was like a beach out there. Haley would have to hot-foot it to a hairdresser after school. When you're ready, the teacher said. She looked at her note cards and took a breath. Why I Love America by Haley McDonald's. America is the greatest group of countries in the world because we have freedom. In countries like France, where the government isn't privatized, they still have to pay tax and do whatever the government says, which would really suck. In USA countries, we respect individual rights and let people do whatever they want. Before USA countries abolished tax, if you didn't have a job, the government took money from working people and gave it to you. So, like, the more useless you were, the more money you got. But now America has all the best companies and all the money because everyone works and the government can't spend money on stupid things like advertising and elections and making new laws. They just stop people stealing or hurting each other, and everything else is taken care of by the private sector, which everyone knows is more efficient. She looked at her notes. Finally, I would like to say that America is the greatest group of countries in the world, and I am proud to live in the Australian territories of the USA. A smattering of applause. Haley headed for her seat. Hold it, the teacher said. I have questions. Oh, Haley said. Are there any positive aspects to tax? She relaxed. A gimme question. Some people say tax is good because it gives money to people who don't have any. But those people must be lazy or stupid, so why should they get other people's money? Obviously, the answer is no. The teacher blinked. Is it fair that some people should be rich while others have nothing? She shifted from one foot to the other. Um, yeah, it's fair. Because if I study really hard for a test and get an A and Emily doesn't and fails, renewed interest from the class, Emily raised blonde eyebrows, then it's not fair to take some of my grades and give them to her, is it? The teacher frowned. Haley felt a flash of panic. Another thing. In non-USA countries, they want everyone to be the same. So if your sister is born blind, then they blind you too, to make it even. But how unfair is that? I would much rather be an American than a European Union person. She gave the class a big smile. They clapped much more enthusiastically than before. She added hopefully, Is that all? Yes, thank you. Relief, she started walking. The teacher said, Although, Haley, they don't really blind people in non-USA countries. Haley stopped. Well, that's kind of hypocritical, isn't it? The class cheered. The teacher opened his mouth, then shut it. Haley took her seat. Kick ass, she thought.
Hack climbed the stairs to the second floor and let himself in. Violet was sitting cross-legged on the living room floor with her notebook computer in her lap. Violet was his girlfriend. She was the only unemployed person he had ever met, not counting homeless people who asked him for money. She was an entrepreneur. Violet was probably going to be rich one day. She was smart and determined. Sometimes Hack wasn't sure why they were together. He dropped his briefcase and shrugged off his jacket. Violet? Hmm. Can we talk? Is it important? Yes. She frowned. Violet didn't like being disturbed during her work. She didn't like being disturbed at all. She was short and thin and had long brown hair, which made her look much more fragile than she was. What's up? Well, I got offered some work, some marketing work. That's great. We could really use the extra money. And I signed a contract without reading it. Oh, Violet said. Well, it might be okay. It says I have to kill people. It's some kind of promotional campaign. I have to, um, kill ten people. For a moment she said nothing. He hoped she wasn't going to shout at him. I'd better look at that contract. He dropped his head. You don't have a copy? No. Oh, hack. I'm sorry. Violet chewed her lip. Well, you can't go through with it. The government's not as pussy as people think. They'd get you for sure. But then, you don't know what the penalties in that contract are. I think you should go to the police. Really? There's a station on Chapel Street. When are you meant to... do it? Friday. You should go, right now. Okay, you're right. He picked up his jacket. Thanks, Violet. Why does this kind of thing always happen to you, Hack? I don't know, he said. He felt emotional. He shut the door carefully behind him. The station was only a few blocks away, and as it came into view he began to feel hopeful. The building was lit up in blue neon with the police in enormous letters and a swirling light above that. If anyone could help him out of this situation, it would be someone who worked in a place like this. The door slid open and he walked up to the reception desk. A woman in uniform smiled. Good evening, how can I help you? Um, he said, I've been contracted to kill someone. Some people, actually. The receptionist's eyebrows rose a fraction, then settled. Take a seat, sir. An officer will be right with you. Hack dropped into a soft blue chair and waited. A few minutes later, a cop came out and stopped in front of him. Hack rose. I'm Senior Sergeant Pearson Police, the man said. He shook Hack's hand firmly. Please accompany me. Hack followed him down a plushly carpeted hallway to a small, professional-looking meeting room. As Pearson took a seat, Hack caught a glimpse of handcuffs and a pistol. So what's your problem? He flipped open a notebook. Hack told him the whole story. When he was done, Pearson was silent for a long time. Finally, Hack couldn't take it anymore. What do you think? Pearson pressed his fingers together. Well, let me take you through your options. He closed the notebook and put it to one side. First, you can go ahead with this Nike contract. In that case, what we'd do if we were retained by the government or one of the victim's representatives is attempt to apprehend you. Yes. And we would apprehend you, Hack. We have an 86% success rate. With someone like you, inexperienced, no backing, we'd have you within hours. So I strongly recommend you do not carry out this contract. I know, Hack said. I should have read it, but... Second, you can refuse to go through with it. That would expose you to whatever penalties are in that contract. And I'm sure I don't need to tell you they could be harsh, very harsh indeed. 
Hack nodded. He hoped Pearson wasn't finished. Here's your alternative, Pearson leaned forward. You subcontract the slayings to us. We fulfill your contract at a very competitive rate. As you probably know from our advertisements, your identity is totally protected. If the government comes after us, it's not your problem. Hack hesitated. Well, how much would it be to... Pearson blew out his cheeks. Depends. You don't need specific individuals done, right? Just people who buy these Mercury shoes. Yes. And you need ten caps, so there's a bulk discount. We could do this for, say, one fifty. One fifty what? Grand, Pearson said. One fifty grand, Hack. What do you think? He felt despair. I'm a Merc officer. I earn thirty-three a year. Come on now, Pearson said, looking pained. Don't start that. I'm sorry, his vision blurred. Twice in one day, he was falling apart. Look, final offer, one-thirty. You can go talk to the NRA, but you won't get better than that, I promise. Now, do we have a deal? Yes, Hack said. He wiped angrily at his face as Pearson began to draw up the contract. The alarm clock said, Microsoft tumbled to 22 after the company announced shipping delays would. Bai couldn't breathe. His chest ached. He thought, I'm having a heart attack. Then he remembered. He staggered into the bathroom and looked in the mirror. He said, I am a great person. Today is a great day. Taped to a corner of the mirror was a piece of paper. It said, I am a great person. Today is a great day. Every obstacle is an opportunity. It was Monday, October 27, and therefore the fifth last working day of Mitsui Corporation's financial year. Bai was an account manager, which meant he was a stockbroker, which meant he was a salesman. Bai had a $4.2 million quota. He had five days to find half a million dollars. He showered and dressed and caught the elevator to the parking lot where his jeep was waiting for him. He pulled into the Mitsui parking lot and caught the elevator to the sixth-floor cube farm. Hamish, who ran the night shift from Bai's desk, was pulling off his headphones. Hey, Bai. Hamish looked relaxed and happy. Bai felt a flash of jealousy. How's the market? Even jumpier than you. Take it easy, buddy. You'll get there. Yeah, I know. He tried to sound sincere. Hamish patted him on the back and left. Bai slid into the seat, plugged in his telephone headset, and dialed. In France, he wouldn't be in a position like this. Of course, in France, he wouldn't have received last year's paycheck of $347,000 either. That was why he'd left. Until recently, Bai had thought that moving to a USA country was the best move he'd ever made, with the possible exception of changing his name from Jean-Paul. You've reached Michael Microsoft. Leave a message and I'll get back to you. Bai started rambling about market indicators pointing to increasing volatility, clicking through his email at the same time. There was a message from a friend who now worked for U.S. Alliance, one of the big customer loyalty programs. Bye. We just passed 200 million subscribers at U.S. Alliance and are about to sign on the NRA. Still hush-hush. But I guess that's not as exciting as making monkey trades for Mitsui, huh? Sammy. He hung up on Michael Microsoft's voicemail. For a second, Bye felt paralyzed. There were too many things he needed to do at once. Fifteen years ago, this would have been insider trading. Now, it was called smart. He started tapping out an email. If you want to ride a wave, call me right now. He dragged his entire client list into the address field and hit send. 
I found your presentations to be uniformly disappointing, the teacher said. I recommend that you all improve the level of your critical thinking. He began walking between aisles, dropping papers onto desks. Haley saw a D and an F. A little guy with glasses got a C-. minus. This was not going to be good. She heard whispering behind her and turned. Three girls were huddled together. Mercury's, one of the whispering girls said. What did you say about Mercury's? Haley said. They looked at her, their faces guarded. The Nike town at the mall is getting in some Mercury's. No way! When? Haley gripped the desk. Tonight, 6.30. The girl glanced at her friends. Want to meet us there? Oh, yeah! She felt faint and sick all at once. Mercury's were two and a half thousand dollars, and Haley didn't have that much. But she could borrow. There were ATMs at the mall. She could sell them tomorrow for twice what she bought them for. What if... What if she could get two pairs? Mercury's, Haley thought. Oh, my God. God. Billy Bechtel built tanks. When anyone asked what Billy did for a living, he said, You know the Bechtel military yards outside Abilene? I worked there. It got so Billy started wishing his job was as cool as it sounded. Billy's job was to check steel plates to make sure they weren't buckled. Most of the guys on the Bechtel site worked in teams, but Billy was stuck on his own. It was driving him nuts. He took up smoking so he could hang around with some of the other workers, and that's where he met the shooters. There were ten or twelve of them, and they met after day shift three times a week. You should come along, one of them told Billy. You'll have fun. So Billy went, and it was fun. He also discovered he was a good shot. Billy earned the respect and admiration of his co-workers by clocking torso-shaped targets from farther out than anyone else. Things were good. Then came the bad news. The foreman gathered them all in Hangar 1, and a guy from head office said, Unfortunately, due to cost pressures, then there was a lot of stuff about how painful it was for management to make tough decisions, but what it came down to was, you can all fuck off now. They gathered out front and stood around uncertainly. They bitched about management and wondered what they would do now. One of the shooters clapped Billy on the shoulder and said, What about you, champ? What are you going to do? I think I'm going to go away somewhere, Billy said, surprising himself. I always wanted to go skiing, you know. Maybe I'll go somewhere and learn how to ski. The man roared with laughter. That's the way, Billy the Kid, he said. You learned to ski. He thought he'd go to Sweden because of the ski bunnies. He imagined days of riding steep white slopes by day and gentle white curves at night. But the